We have been in a series starting last week called Closer Than You Think, and we're launching this series in the new year because the aim is this. We want to see all of us grow closer and deeper in our relationship with God in 2024. Very simple. And I, I think if it, all of us would, would agree that that's something we want, you know, there's not many people who would say, nah, I'm good, don't need to be any closer to God. I think we all want to be closer to God. The problem is that we don't always feel it, that we go throughout our week, sometimes throughout our day, and feel very distant from God, and he doesn't seem like he's intimately involved in our day-to-day -day life, and, and that's the issue. Now, what the aim of this series is to tell you, and it's the title of the sermon series, is God is actually closer than you might feel or think. I really think he is. And it's because Revelation 3.20 is our, our verse of, for this whole series. And Revelation 3.20 is part of a letter that was written to a group of people from the church in Laodicea, in the book of Revelation. And the people in Laodicea, the way you describe them is people who were feeling distant in their relationship with God. They were coasting when it came to their relationship with God. They were just going through the motions. If you were to ask them how close they feel to God, they'd be like, not very. He seems distant. And so this letter was written to them, and there's a very specific verse, Revelation 3.20, that I feel like was written to them and to us as we go throughout this series. And this is the verse. This is what it says. God says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The way I described this last week is I said, it, the way I would um, kind of sum up this verse is God is closer than you think. The reason we have all these doors up here for, on our stage is, is for a really good reason. It's because of Revelation 3.20. So I want to go back here for a moment. Hopefully you can see me. Zach will light me up here. Now, I've got this door here. And what I love about Revelation 3.20 is that the imagery is not that God is this distant being way up in heaven who is very distant and if we just, you know, pray a prayer, maybe he'll hear us, but he's never going to want to get very close to us. That's not the picture of God here. The picture of God is that he is on the other side of a thin door. And here's what I want to tell you that I believe Revelation 3.20 says that every single one of us has a door to our lives, a door to our soul. And when we are sensing that God is, may not be very close to us, that he may be distant, what we need to remember is Revelation 3.20, that actually he's not distant at all. He's on the other side of a thin door, and he is knocking at that door. And not only is he knocking, but he wants to come in. He wants to come close. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to listen to him because he has a lot to say to you. And all we have to do is open up the door. Be funny if like somebody popped out of that door, but um, here's the problem though. The problem is we just don't open the door enough. This series is aimed at finding some practical ways that I believe every one of us on a consistent basis can pop open that door to deeper 
closer relationship with the God who made you to the Savior who saved you. So that's what we're doing. Last week, the very first thing I talked about was something that's foundational to any relationship in your life, especially with God. It's that we would start by listening to him. And I told you that popping up open the door to deeper relationship with God is synonymous with opening up this book. Because God has a lot to say to us that he has already said. We just need to open up this book to listen. Now this week is part two of listening. I'm calling it listening part two. And the reason I'm calling it part two is because in order to listen to God and what he has to say, we have to get really good at starting to eliminate distractions. Because there are a lot of noises in our life. There's a lot of voices and distractions that seem to flood into our lives to the point where all of a sudden you begin to realize that you can't even hear the voice of God. I'm not sure if you heard what I said. But it's true. There are so many distractions that come into our lives and crowd out. God's voice. And the first thing I want you to know today is that if we're going to listen to him, we're going to have to eliminate some of those distractions from time to time. So what I want to do today is I want to open up our Bibles uh, and listen to God through a story that is a very short story in the Bible. But it's a story about two women who quite literally let Jesus come into their home. One gets close to him and one is completely distracted and misses him, right? So if you have your Bibles, you could open them to Luke chapter 10. Also, just as a heads up, we actually have these blue Bibles under every few chairs. If you want to follow along in a hard copy, you can do that if you find one. You can also take one with you if you need a Bible, because we feel like it's important for everybody to have not just an app, but a hard copy as well. Luke chapter 10. Starting in verse 38, here's the story. I'm going to read it, and then I've got some questions. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. All right, that's our story for this morning. I want to ask three questions. First is a good question. Why is this story in the Bible? And then the second is, why did Martha get it wrong? And then the third is, why did Mary get it right? So why is this story even in the Bible? Why did Martha get it wrong? And why did Mary get it right? So first, let's ask the question, why is this story in the Bible? Well, let me recap it quickly, just so we're all very familiar with what this story is. Uh, Jesus comes into the house of a woman named Martha. Actually, Martha welcomes him in. Martha's sister Mary is there too. Mary decides to just sit at Jesus' feet. Just sit there and do nothing but listen to Jesus. Martha does everything. She's doing all the work. She's getting all the food ready, getting the house clean. And Martha is annoyed with Mary. And in the end, Jesus says, Martha is getting it wrong 
and Mary is getting it right. right. So it's really interesting. Now, there are a lot of stories in the Gospels that are just amazing, like big, powerful stories that you never forget. Like when Jesus uh, rose the man from the dead or healed a blind man or fed 5,000 people. These big eventful stories. Story of Mary and Martha, let's just be honest, it's not one of them. It's like, it's, it's somewhat forgettable of a story because it's about two women who just choose to do different things with their time when Jesus comes into this house. It's not a big dramatic story, but what I want to tell you is I think that's precisely why it is so relatable to us today and precisely why I think we can get something from it. Because I believe that it's not in the big dramatic times and events in your life that are the things that shape you. It's actually the everyday decisions on how you spend your time and what you're going to do that make you who you are. It's the big events that just reveal who you are. It's the small everyday choices that actually really make you who you are. Now, John Maxwell has a great quote. He says, life is a matter of choices and every choice you make makes you. That's what you see in this passage and why this passage is actually in this story is important to listen to. Did you know that uh, we have, we're said to have make, to make 30,000 decisions every single day, the average person, 30,000 decisions, which is mind boggling. You don't think you make that many decisions, but what that means is that if you're sleeping for seven or eight hours, that means every two, every hour you're making like 2,000 decisions a day, which is crazy to me. But but the point is this, we have so many decisions that we can make every single day, but it's a long series of decisions that actually make us who we are and reveal who we are. Back to this story with Mary and Martha. I want you to see why this is important. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, and I'll get back to why he says her name twice. He's not stuttering. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. I want you to see in this passage is Jesus is addressing two women who are making little everyday decisions. One of them makes decisions that really aren't that, that don't lead her to closeness with Jesus. One of them makes a decision, and gets really close. Jesus said, Mary got it right, Martha got it wrong. All right, so here's what I'm going to do with the rest of the time. I want to talk to you about why Martha got it wrong first, and then second, why Mary got it right, and hopefully why we can get it right too. So first, why did Martha get it wrong? And there are three reasons I'm going to give to you why Martha, I think, got it wrong. There might be more, but I'm going to give you three. Uh, the first reason is this. Martha was distracted. Look at verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You're anxious and troubled about many things. Martha had a whole bunch of things in her mind. Earlier in verse 40, it says, but Martha was distracted by much serving. Right? The bottom line is, 
Martha welcomes Jesus into her home and she is distracted by just about everything she could be distracted by. Remember what I had said earlier about Revelation 3.20 and the door, that every single one of us has a door to our lives and Jesus is knocking on that door and he wants to come in and he wants to come close, but so often we don't open the door. Well, this is a unique situation because Martha literally lets Jesus and invites him into her home. And yet, she misses the most important thing that Jesus wants from her. And that's not all the things she could do. That's just being with her, like her sister was doing. I I think this is so practical for us. Because I, I don't think for many of us, that it's not that we don't invite Jesus in. We want him in. But we get so distracted by all the things that we think are really important that we can so easily miss what Jesus is trying to say to us. That's what Martha did. I don't know if you're like me, but like when I wake up in the morning, I hit my feet to the ground and my mind starts going about all the things that I need to be doing that day. And, you know, it's just crazy how much your mind starts flooding. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and start thinking about all the things that I'm supposed to do. You know, as people, we have a lot on our plates. No matter who you are, I mean, you've got, most likely, most of us have jobs, and that's a burden enough, let alone, you know, having a family You've got to invest in your marriage. If you're married, you've got to invest in your kids. You've got to get your kids involved in a whole bunch of things so they you know, aren't bored and don't play video games all day. And if, then when they do play video games all day, it's another thing to worry about. And that's something that might hit home for us. But um, we, then you've got to take your, your kids to do those different places. Like my job uh, is not just a pastor. It's actually a taxi. Like I am driving all the time. There is so many things that flood our minds and kind of distract us. And then we're worried about friendships and keeping up with those friendships, extended family, paying the bills, you know, making sure that we're, we're doing things that in the church and getting involved in things like that. And then, by the way, when things go well, you also have to worry about making sure you post it to social media so everybody knows that those things are going well. And, but then you also have to make sure you look at other people's social media and, because you've got to keep up with them. And you don't want to be too selfish about your social media. And, but all of this is happening in our minds, and then we, we, don't even, we haven't even taken into account the fact that our phones just keep dinging. Right? Notification after notification, text messages, emails. You guys know the, the little red circle with the number in it over the app that tells you you've got an alert like that? Those things stress me out. Because when I, and the reason they're red, I think, is to stress you out. To say, there is a message in here and it is urgent and it's super important. And if you don't open the app, you're going to miss out on something that you really shouldn't miss out on. And so I get stressed about it, so I have to like, either I turn them off or I have to click on that. Because there's so many things that distract us that tell us these things are urgent. I believe that even without phones, all of us kind of have those little red notification bubbles just popping up in our minds all the time, telling us this is important, this is important, this is important, this is important. And I think that was happening with Martha in this story. I think Martha is, is thinking in her mind, all these notifications are going off. I have a million things that are really important, and yet she's so distracted, she missed the one thing that was most important to Jesus, and that's what Mary was doing. And we'll get to that 
later. But the second reason why Martha got it wrong is that Martha had questionable motives. She had questionable motives. Let me explain what I mean by this. Martha wasn't a bad person. Like Martha, Martha, after all, was trying to make food and prepare a great experience for Jesus. And, you know, if you and I were having the Son of God over to our house, we may be more like Martha, where we're like, we got to make sure that everything is really good. See, Martha, Martha wasn't like doing uh, something that was wrong. But here's the problem with Martha, I believe. What Martha thought was most important was not what Jesus thought was most important. What Martha was doing is she's going, all right, if you're having Jesus over, then there are 15 things that are really important to do, and I'm going to get them all done because then I will have accomplished exactly what I think is most important. Jesus didn't think about it. Now, you might think to yourself, what's wrong with that, right? What's wrong with what Martha did? And I think Jesus points out what's wrong. What he says is, you are anxious and troubled about many things. So what I want to point out is the problem wasn't that Martha was serving. Serving is good. It's a good thing to do. The problem is that she was anxious and troubled and distracted by them. And here's what I think is we are anxious and troubled by the things that we think are most important to us. And when they don't happen, they really, really stress us out. But what I want you to know is that Martha wasn't thinking about what Martha was doing was not thinking about what Jesus wanted, but what she wanted. Martha figured out what was important to her and did all of it. But that's not how our relationship with Jesus works. The way a relationship with Jesus works is you look to Jesus and you go, okay, what's most important to you in this moment? And then you prioritize everything else in your life around that. That's why I say I question Martha's motives. The reason why I question them is because I believe the question is, was Martha doing these things for Jesus or was she doing these things for Martha? And I believe that maybe the same is true for us, that many of us have a lot of good things we're doing. It's not that we're doing all these bad things, it's just we're, we're distracted. And oftentimes we can convince ourselves that all the good things we're doing are really important. And they're actually even things that are for God and yet, the problem is, we haven't consulted God to see if they are important. We just think they are. And I think what Martha realized in this situation is that what she thought was important was not nearly as important uh, to Jesus. And so that's the second reason Martha got it wrong. The, the, the last reason Martha got it wrong is that uh, Martha, Martha missed the gospel. Martha missed the gospel. And here's, here's what I want to say about that. Luke 40, or Luke 10, 40, says this, But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. I think it's interesting that Martha literally went up to Jesus. The first time she said anything to Jesus besides welcome to my home, probably, was don't you care? <laughs> I don't know if we should say that to Jesus, right? Don't you care? But it was like, don't you care that I'm doing everything and Mary's not? What Martha was, was doing is she was mad at Mary because she wasn't participating and pulling her weight. 
And now she's mad at Jesus because Jesus isn't telling Mary she's wrong and putting her in her place and say, you know what, Mary, you need to get your butt up and start moving because that's the way this thing works. What I believe was happening is that Martha was actually missing the whole point Jesus came to begin with. She was missing the point of the gospel. And the gospel is this. We talk about this all the time here. The gospel is that there's actually nothing that you can do to keep yourself busy enough for God to approve of you because that's not how it works. But you can't, you can't do enough things that maybe Jesus will be impressed with me if I have this long list of to-dos that I accomplish for him. Because what we talk about all the time is that the gospel is this, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are, are a long way off from the standard we were created for because of our sin. And there is a not enough things that we could possibly do to try to get claw ourselves up to the standard that God created us for. That's why Jesus came down. That's why he's there. The gospel is this. Jesus came to live the life that we should have lived and then to die in our place to rise again from the grave so that if we would place our faith in Jesus, we can be reconnected to a relationship with God that we were made for. Here's what that means, though. That means that what God wants from you and from me more than anything that we can do for him is just us. He, he's, he just wants you. He just wants me. He just wants relationship. And I think that's what you see in this in this story is Jesus is trying to give a glimpse of why he came to begin with. He came because he loves us, because God loves us, and he wants us. It doesn't matter what you do. And I think that's why Martha missed the gospel. Now, Jesus says to Martha, Martha, Martha. And like I said, he's not stuttering. He said, Martha, Martha, because whenever in Greek you use the same word twice, we wouldn't talk like this, but when you use the same word twice, you're really trying to get somebody's attention and emphasize something. But when you use someone's name twice, you're doing it because you love them so much and you really want to get their attention. It might be like when you call your, when you call your kids by their first and middle name, like, you know, you know, it's that... But it's such a loving, it's a loving thing for Jesus to do. It's like when Jesus would grab Martha's face and it would be like him saying, my dear Martha, my dear loved Martha. And, and what he is saying is, I, I love you so much, Martha, but you are missing it. All I want is you. I just, it's just right here. This is what it is. And I believe that, you know, with Revelation 3.20, that God is standing at the door of every single one of our lives and he is knocking and he wants to go deeper with us. He wants to be with us. He wants relationship and he's even calling our name. He might even be saying our name twice, trying to get our attention. And, and, and we have to open that door. We can't miss the whole reason Jesus came to begin with, not because of what we could do for him, but because of what he could do for us to get us back into relationship with him. That leads me to the last question, and that is that why did Mary get it right? And I'm sure there's some deductions you've already made of why Mary got it right, but let's look at this. Verse 39 says, And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Mary literally sat at the feet of Jesus and did 
nothing. There are two reasons why Mary got it right and Martha got it wrong. There are two reasons why Mary got it right. The first one is this. Mary had to say no. Mary had to say no. All right. And hopefully you can take away from Mary's experience too with your own. Now, we all know Mary, it wasn't that Mary was lazy. Like, it wasn't like, yeah, Mary's the lazy one. She knew full well what it took to host people at your house, that there was a lot to do, and she was even watching her sister Martha do all of these things. Mary wasn't lazy. Mary was making a conscious decision to prioritize Jesus above everything else, and sometimes that means saying no to things, even important things things. This is what I want you to know. I'll put it up on the screen. It's saying yes to time with Jesus will usually mean saying no to something else and sometimes to someone else. I think to get this, we have to picture this scene. I'm going to try to paint a picture that, you know, Mary is literally sitting down at the feet of Jesus, just laying there, you know, just gazing into the eyes of Jesus. And Martha is Martha is like walking back and forth, busying herself with all these things. And the house wasn't probably that big. So Mary had to like feel the breeze of Martha walking back and forth. Probably even Martha was making these like big, deep sighs, like, this is really hard, you know, and staring Mary down as she's walking back and forth. And Mary knows it. Mary knows what's happening, knows what she could be doing, and yet she's going, no. The Son of God is in my house, and there is nothing better that I can do than to just sit at his feet. She had to say no to something in order to say yes. I think that's a really good thing for us to take away from here. Because last week I told you that, you know, if we're going to open the door to a deeper relationship with God, we've got to open this book, first of all. And, and of course, that's important. But if this is not in your regular rhythm of opening up this book, it means you're filling your life with something else that's going to need to stop in order for you to add this in. Right? So you're going to have to say no to something on your regular everyday rhythm in order to say yes to time with Jesus, to listening to him. And I don't know what that is for you, um, but I I challenge you kind of today to think about that. What's something you can say no to so that you can say yes to Jesus? It'd be saying no to, you know, sleeping in uh, as long as you do or getting, you know, so you get up a little earlier. Saying no to staying up as late as you are so that you will get up a little earlier and have that time. Or saying no to the thing you do like during your lunch hour that's kind of mindless, but it's time maybe that you're wasting. Or saying no to the things on your phone that are telling you how important they are with those notifications. Maybe saying no to the, you know, the Scrabble game that you're kind of addicted to on your phone that just takes your mind away, you know, from time to time. It's going to be something. Maybe it's saying no to scrolling through your Browns app to reading. I'm just speaking for a friend right now, but there are a lot of things that we might, that that we do that we might need to say no to in order to say yes to time with Jesus. Mary modeled this super well. Sometimes, in Mary's case, we might even have to say no to someone who's close to us, because that's how important this is. 
This, the last thing I want to say about why Mary got it right is that Mary's choice was eternal. Mary made the eternal choice, which, which kind of takes the cake. Verse 42 says, But one thing, Jesus says, is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Remember what I said earlier in the sermon that, you know, this is not that exciting of a story. It's just a story about two ladies in a house making decisions about what they're going to do, little everyday decisions. But as we unpack this story, what my hope is, is that you see how much these decisions affect the eternity and everyday life. Because what you see is Martha made a decision to, to think about 15 other things that were really important, but they were temporary things. And what we see in this passage is that Martha is irritable and resentful. She's mad at everybody. She's not in a good spot, but Mar Mary is like never been better. And what Jesus says to Mary is, Mary, that what, what you've chosen is eternal. Martha chose the temporary. Mary chose the eternal. And I think that's what makes the biggest difference. So yes, we're going to have to say no to things in order to spend time with Jesus and say yes to Jesus. But our yes to Jesus not, doesn't just impact eternity. It impacts every single day. It impacts the now. And I think it will make every relationship in your life better. It'll make the way you approach your work better, the way you approach everything better when you spend that time and carve it out. I want to give you an example of that in Scripture, then I'll close. Uh, in Acts 4, there's a story where there are two men, Peter and John, who are disciples, spent a lot of time with Jesus. Now Jesus is gone, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, they start sharing Jesus with uh, these really dangerous people. They're government officials. And they're bold, and they're sharing Jesus with these guys, and they're afraid that maybe their lives will be taken from them, or they'll get thrown into jail, but it doesn't matter because Jesus is everything to them. And I love the response of the government officials when they, when they know, when they hear these guys. Listen to what it says in Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. How amazing is it when these government officials didn't know Jesus from it? They didn't they really know much about Jesus at all, weren't that interested in him, but knew about him. And the boldness of these disciples made these guys go, oh man, I can tell that they have been with Jesus. And I think that is my prayer for us, it's my prayer for myself. That when people interact with me, from my wife, from my kids, to anybody, if they're going to say anything about me, it wouldn't be, man, that guy did a lot of things. It wouldn't be, have to do with what I do, but they would look at my life and they would say, that guy must have been with Jesus. It must have been with Jesus. Would that prayer be true of us? Because what Jesus says is that's the only thing that cannot be taken away. And if we're going to spend eternity with Jesus, we might want to start getting used to that time even now. Listen, as we close, what we're going to do is just spend time with Jesus, uh, undistracted time. So I'm going to 
put a minute on the clock. It's just going to be silent. And we're going to have uh, some words of Jesus up on the screen. I want you to look at them or spend your own time quietly just talking to him. But hopefully this will be a first step in kind of just catapulting us to more undistracted time with our Savior. Let me pray and then we'll do that. Father, thank you so much for who you are and for showing us even these little stories that every day we have decisions to make and it's those decisions that really define us. And so I pray today that the decision that we would make above all is to not miss out on what you want to say to us. That we would frequently open your word and listen to you and we would find ways to get rid of those distractions. And so we, uh, we pray that that would even happen now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.